Wow, you guys, I am still on a high from this interview and so excited to introduce you guys to the magic that is Amy and Evelyn Gutman. You guys are in for a real treat this week. How did this pair of sisters create an empire that empowers families, parents, and children? Listening to their story, you would think that they're like 200 years old or something with all the wisdom and experience that they have. But these two young and vibrant ladies seem to get something about life that supercharged their efforts. Amy and Evelyn are neurodevelopmental therapists who own several companies, including Hands-On OT Rehab, which helps children with anxiety and developmental delays, Hands-On Approaches, providing training and education for therapists, pediatricians, educators, and parents, one-on-one mentorships, online courses, a podcast, and a charity called Hope Foundation, preventing anxiety and developmental delays altogether. Now, anytime you drop words like neurodevelopment and relationship between brain and body, I start drooling, and I know you guys do too. But there are more secrets here, secrets that make these women sought out, different, widely, and internationally known and acclaimed. And today, they share with us what those secrets are. As they share their story, their love of knowledge and passion for what they do, their ability to research from all ends of the world and question and challenge and pierce through information until they arrive at their truths is inspiring and incredible. And as we listen to how these two ladies took an idea and created something which can benefit all of us It's just truly incredible. In advance, I want to thank Amy for being so real with us about her personal struggle with anxiety, how she came to realize that while she came from the happiest and healthiest home, there can be something you're just born with and can overcome in your life and how she decided to teach others to do the same thing. And Evelyn shares so much of her story and her travels, her pursuit of knowledge and the camaraderie. It's just truly beautiful. And they're just so real and honest. So to Amy and Evelyn, thank you for coming on the show and teaching our audience such a important insights about how to achieve what we want in our life, what it takes to get there, how to be so real, and mostly how to be so incredibly yourselves. With that, let's welcome Amy and Evelyn. Welcome to the Stunning Success Podcast, the place where you get to reboot and create the life you actually want to live. My name is Tsippy, and I'm a wife, mom, life and business coach, and serial entrepreneur. And here is what I am convinced of, is that we choose and decide what reality we are going to live, what life we are going to create for ourselves. The question just is, will you get in the driver's seat and create a life that you love, that excites you, that you're inspired by, Or will you just stay reactive and just deal with whatever comes your way and have the same old results again and again, wondering when are things going to finally get good for me? If you've been asking yourself, when will I actually fulfill my potential? When will I do that which I'm here to do? When are things going to get really fun and really exciting? When is it going to stop being so hard? When am I going to not have to work as hard? When am I going to make more money? Well, this is the podcast for you. Here we combine science, psychology, energy, mysticism with practical tools to help you find and live your potential and wake up excited every single day. I hope this podcast will inspire and motivate you to do what you love and love what you do, to think bigger, to stop working so hard, and ultimately to create in your life from a place of inspiration and joy. I'm so excited to be here with you and I'm so glad you're here. Oh, 
Okay, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Stunning Success Podcast. And it is so exciting for me this week to welcome Amy and Evelyn onto the podcast. In a second, I'm going to let them introduce themselves to you. But Amy and Evelyn, just to tell you guys a little bit about what we do on this show, is this is really a show to help people really get into alignment and figure out what their potential is and think bigger about their life and ultimately figure out how they can live the life that they actually want to live. And I'm so excited to have you guys on because I know that you're doing this and more. So with that, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having us. This is Amy here. Hi, and this is Evelyn. We're very, very happy to be here. So excited to have you guys. Would one of you take a quick moment and let everybody know what it is that you guys do? So we are actually occupational therapists that specialize in neurodevelopment, which means we work on how the brain and the body communicate. And my sister and I have three companies that are focused on empowering families and children. The first company that we have is called Hands-On OT Rehab. It's a center where we teach parents how to help their children who have developmental delays, especially anxiety and processing delays, like attentional issues, learning issues, things like that. We teach the parents what to do with their children. They do the therapy at home and they consult with us every six to eight weeks to learn the next step in helping their child. And we also provide support emotionally for what they need as far as behavior and other components of development. Second company wow. that we have is called Hands-On Approaches and that is a continuing education company where we ourselves provide lectures and continuing educations for therapists and we bring in speakers that um, resonate with the way that we treat and our value system in terms of methodologies we're using and we bring that in for different therapists, parents and teachers so they can also get the education to learn different techniques and methods that are out there and to help themselves if they're not able to come to us directly. Mm. And the third company that we have is called the Hope Foundation, which is actually a nonprofit that we just started and we're very excited about it. It stands for the Hands-On Parent Empowerment Foundation. And the mission there is really to give support and education across the board in prevention for schools, for parents who have young children before they're accessing the school education to kind of help them in preventing developing these tendencies of anxiety or learning issues. And it's really a baby project yes. of ours. And we're really, really holding it dear to our heart. And we're excited about starting that currently. And that's oh, really wow. what we're busy with. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this sounds like a lot. And I know you guys are sisters, which is like the coolest thing ever. And that you've ha how did you even get into this whole, I love what you're saying about neurodevelopment, like the relationship with, between the brain and the body. How did you guys carve out this niche for yourself and know that this is the direction you wanted to go in? Okay, so we each have our own story, so I'll let Evelyn start. <laughs> so for me, actually, I have a history in um, finance. I actually started out when I was in college getting a degree in accounting. I wanted to be a CPA, and I guess I loved science, and I actually considered the therapies, but I felt like everyone was going into that profession, and I didn't think it was something that I wanted to really do at that time. I was trying to be very practical. I wasn't really thinking, I guess, about what I really wanted to do. Mm. And I got the degree and I was actually going for the CPA exam. I actually interviewed for in like big six firms in terms of getting a job and I got one. And I realized it wasn't something that I really wanted to do. I wasn't so passionate about it. Mm. I'm a 
people person. So I like to interact with people. And even though accounting does have that, it just wasn't something that I felt would resonate with me, making me want to get up every single morning and go and do that job. So I remember going to my parents who were very supportive of my first profession and telling them I wanted, you know, I really don't think accounting is for me. And I wanted to switch. I wasn't sure what I really wanted to do. I thought it was the therapies. And I said, I wanted to take like a month or two off while I was finishing that degree, try to volunteer in different professions, different fields um, of allied health, OT, PT, speech, and figure out what I wanted to do. And I was very lucky that they were very, very supportive of me. And they said, if that's, if you're not going to be happy and this is what you want to do, then we'll support you. And I, through, I guess, a process of like volunteering, I discovered that I really wanted to go into occupational therapy because it's a field that has many different areas that you can work on. It has physical components. It has emotional components. And it was something that resonated with me. So at, to, basically, I went to school and I became an OT. And I actually started once I graduated working with the geriatric population in mm. a nursing home. And I did acute care. And I worked my way down to go into pediatrics. Actually, I got um, laid off from my job and it was a very scary time for me. And I was pushed to get into pediatrics and it was the best move. It was one of the scariest moves that became the best move that I ever did because I found my calling in working with children. Scariest because? Scary because, you know, you can get a little bit comfortable in the job that you're at and it's something that makes you feel good. And then you're basically going into a whole different population. And actually, peace, it was scary for me because I wanted to work with younger children and they're not able to communicate so much with you. I was nervous about starting something that I didn't have a lot of experience in. When I was in school and we were doing pediatrics, they didn't really give you that much, um, I guess, field work in it. So it was really a new field for me. But one I wanted to try and I w- it was one of the best decisions that I made looking back. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. So two degrees with the second one being her love of her, her passion. Her right. That's so interesting. So yeah. did the financing come back into your life ever? Yes. Wow. I have to tell you that the background that I have helps me in managing and doing the business. Like I'm the one who does the financial piece of setting up the books and running the books. So it does come handy. And even if I don't do everything, being able to just have the background knowledge helps me in when we're hiring and we're working people to know what it is that I'm looking for in terms of having the right fit. So it definitely does come and help you. I always tell people that, you see, because I switched degrees, people who talk to me like who are getting out of high school or they're trying to figure out what they're doing, I don't think anything that you learn or you study is a waste. I think Mm. it's something you're always going to apply. You just never know when you're going to bring it into your work or your life. So I feel lucky I was able to switch and actually not stay in something that I wasn't happy with because I firmly believe you have to be very passionate about what it is you're doing mm-hmm. if you mm-hmm. want to grow and if you want to lo- and you want to like make that into something that's going to be something that you can grow into. So I think I would have been an okay accountant, but I'm very happy that I switched to OT. So I, I do use it in, in my life. I think it's helping us run our practice. Especially when we have like certain um, negotiations or contracts or certain kinds of structures, it, it really pops in. You can see that my sister's accounting brain kicks in a lot faster than mine does because I do not focus too much on that at all. Well, so, I mean, I can imagine it's a huge yes. asset. So it's a good balance there. Yeah. And what about you, Amy? So my story is that I was going to work in finance. That was going to be my goal. From when I was 10 years old, I was trading stocks and involved in the markets. <laughs> um, I've been managing money since then. 
and I actually was on track to just go with my, to become a certified financial analyst, which I studied for. I have my broker license and three fields. I work on Wall Street and the Commodities Exchange. But at the time that I was trying to figure out where to get my bachelor's, what was driving me to study for occupational therapy was actually the struggles that I had when I was younger. And my sister, who I always say is my witness, was, and <laughs> tell you that I suffered very, very much as a child. Wow. I was very intelligent. I did extremely well in school. I was top of my class. SAT scores were amazing. Socially, I had friends. Nobody knew that I was struggling with anxiety. Mm. But in reality, I was suffering a lot. And it was really and did you know that at the t- like did you know you were struck was you were suffering at the time? So again, I think it was the fact that I was very aware of myself and I was always studying and trying to understand why am I feeling this tension and this nervousness? I'll explain to you like some examples. I remember being in camp and if I did not know where I was going to be going the next day, I would pretend to be sick. Or mm. if my mother gave me a meal and there was chicken and rice and the chicken the rice just happened to touch the chicken, I refused to have the chicken, a lot of sensory issues, a lot of anxiety Mm -hmm. that was internal. I had been raised in a very loving home. So my parents taught me how to compensate and Mm -hmm. I knew how to act around people, but internally I was struggling and I had this awareness and I knew that I knew, I guess, reflexively that it wasn't a psychological problem because I wasn't traumatized. It wasn't like I had any neglect and -hmm. there wasn't any main event that it ever occurred. It was something since I was born that I felt. And my sister Hmm. can tell you from being a young girl, I was very emotional and intense. And this was something that nobody knew. My friends didn't know. My schools didn't know. Nobody knew. Um, Right. How would they know? It's just inside. I think that Ray was because she's so smart, she was able to also keep it together when she was in school. And we saw more of it at home from a sensory perspective. You wouldn't think, you wouldn't associate when she was so young anxiety to it. It was more the the textures and the the sensory stuff that she was having that was affecting her I guess the quality of her life and then as I was getting older I was analyzing as to why am I feeling this way and occupational therapy seemed to be the right track of where I should go to study in a way to help myself so Hmm. I actually very early on did my sciences I was the youngest graduate of my university because I went in straight after high school I knew exactly what I wanted to study in order to help myself While I was doing that, I was still taking business law and finance in other schools because I thought that would be my long-term career. But as it happens to be, at 21 years of age, I completed school and I helped myself and I healed myself. And as I was going through that process, I was working on Wall Street and I would finish work at four o'clock and then head back to Brooklyn at my practice with the children. And what I found is through all the investment banking and all the finance that I was doing, and I was making really nice money doing that, I was finding that my value was more in working with these children and my brain and the challenge of helping children was really being pushed and I was finding it a lot more satisfying. And as my sister mentioned, my parents have always encouraged us to do things that make us feel as if we're doing something for ourselves as well as being productive for the world. And although I was enjoying trading and managing money, this was something that gave me more excitement. And Mm. I remember... After 9-11, I made a decision. I had experienced 9-11. I was there that day. I lost lots of my friends. And Mm. I made a decision after that experience that I wanted to focus more of my time in pursuing 
more about neurodevelopment and expanding what we were doing in our practice. And even today, I still monitor the markets. I'm still trading and I'm still managing some money. <laughs> but this has become my passion. And it's really something that we are excited about being trailblazers in what we're doing right now. So that was it. That's and by cool. the way, just to mention for your, your listeners, the money comes. It's very interesting. It's once you choose to do what it is that you're doing and you really try and be the best that you can in your field of choice. And you keep your mind open and you don't think you always know everything and you keep expanding your knowledge. That's when you really see the business going. As long as you keep yourself open, that's something that we saw, which is mm-hmm. focus and, right. and slow. And I think for us, it's also slow, but steady. Like we started out very slow. We, one day I remember we were talking to one another. Friday was doing a lot of evals with kids and I was the one who was treating them and we were seeing how we weren't getting the progress in the system that we were in. And then we just said, you know what, based on what we're seeing, and we're the type also to not give up very easily. Like we right. want answers. So if something doesn't work, I'm not going to do maybe what's typical. I'm going to try to find another way of doing it to see if that can help give me direction or give me the solution. So we were like, why don't we like start working together? Cause we were both working at that time separately and take on a couple of cases together and see if we study and development and bring it to these cases if we're going to get better results and in fact we actually even took some time off then and we weren't working we just decided we had the freedom to do that and we just decided that we were going to like leave doing you know the day-to-day kind of practice and expand our knowledge and we went traveling and learning and really trying to have an open mind to what it, what the challenges were in some of the cases we had. I think that was a big turning point is having that freedom to disconnect. Yeah. And we started working together and questioning each other. And it was sometimes like, you need to stop what you're doing and get a little bit of a different perspective to mm-hmm. open your mind in order to shift what it, how it is that you're looking at something. And once we did that, we were very slow but steady. And we started seeing that we had results. And that's how our first practice, the hands-on OT rehab, got into being and started expanding. That's amazing. I just have a quick question. Um, before you tell us more about, because uh, I kind of want to hear, it's interesting that you both had like a financial, like, you know, initial idea and then moved into the whole neurodevelopment OT world, which is so cool and amazing that that worked for both of you. Um, Friday, I know we've been using two different names. So like, I know, um, so Amy or Friday, I don't know which one you would prefer for us to use. Either works. I'm okay. Um, you mentioned just before you go on, cause I want to hear about how you like actually developed the business and into what it is now, but how did, like you said something about you cured yourself by the age yeah. of 21. Can you give us like a couple of examples of what you did for yourself or learned about yourself at the time that were helpful to you? Sure. So as an occupational therapist, um, we get a training in how the brain and body works, but not as intensely as we do now. But at that time, I had learned about doing certain exercises on myself that would help my brain and body communicate more efficiently and just kind of calm my inner self. So I didn't Mm -hmm. have that fear. And I'll be very honest here during the discussion that, um, you know, in our, in my circle, a lot of women are dating pretty young at about 1920. We start dating. I, I didn't want to get married then. Mm-hmm. I did not want to start a life with somebody who had to deal with someone who was so nervous, needed mm. control. And having done that exploration and doing those movements and those exercises and working on myself, I was able to actually reach a point where I shifted and my family noticed it. My sister can tell you, like even today we're sitting in a room 
where, you know, 20 years ago, I wouldn't have tolerated. Right now, mm -hmm. at my desk, there is a pile and it's not in perfect order. Mm -hmm. My glasses mm -hmm. are not perfectly clean. Mm -hmm. When I was younger, everything had to be just so. But it was a perfectionist attitude that I had, a need of control. It was very much, everything had to be just so. And these oh, movements wow. that were, that I did on myself, help me to kind of regulate myself and not need that as much. Now, well, the amazing thing that I think about that is that like, and I really appreciate you just like telling us the story is how you did come from a normal, functional, very happy family. And like you said, it just like some, for some reason you were just born like that. I think that's incredible. <laughs> yeah, so I will tell you that majority of the clients that we have, these children, nobody knows has issues. And when parents come in, we have fortune 500 CEOs, we have, parenting experts coming to us individuals who are have written books and their children are coming to us mm. and when they learn about this they're surprised to see how much there is in a person that is physiological instead of just psychological Ugh, and a well, lot of, and a lot of these changes once you work on that brain body communication you don't have to put as much effort into teaching the coping mechanisms that you are taught. My parents were doing that. They were teaching me how to behave and how to mm -hmm. calm my mind mm -hmm. and regulate myself from the outside in. Here we're working inside out. So you're I working, love that. Yeah. That's so really it's like work. coherence. You're creating coherence within your brain, your heart, your body. Is there yeah. any example that you can kind of share with us of like an exercise that you did to help yourself to regulate any so of the anxiety? I can share with you that I did have something called vestibular issues, which means that my sense of internal balance was very off. Mm -hmm. And um, that was something that I knew intuitively. For example, driving in a car was difficult for me. I used mm. to get very nauseous. Mm -hmm. And um, mm -hmm. I like to go on rides. She would avoid going to the amusement park. I think even mm. the sight of the amusement park caused a certain amount of fear in her. And there was an anxiety that came from certain um, ideas of even hearing certain things that I would have to do. The anticipatory anxiety was mm -hmm, there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I did a lot of movements that had to do with um, rolling and spinning myself. And again, as I was learning about these processes, I was able to sort of self-diagnose and work on myself. So but you went to college to learn how to heal yourself? Yes, that was my goal. I went to Downstate and um, in the evening, I was still going for finance and still studying for, um, I was doing business law, I was doing calculus, I was going to be a financial analyst. I actually completed all, like I said, my broker licenses, I was ready to go. But why and, go to college then as opposed to just go to OT? So I had gone to OT at the same time. I was in OT school at the same time studying finance. No, meaning why would you go to school for OT as opposed to just go to occupational therapists for it? Uh, so I'll tell you what it is. I'm a little bit of a cynic in case you haven't noticed. Okay. And what I realized is that I also love learning. Like if okay, you yeah. could just pick yeah. me into a university forever, yes. that is my dream. Oh, I'm um, happy. We both are going to school and we don't mind being in school. Yes. So I think it's called a knowledge broker. <laughs> <laughs> therapists in that time they weren't working in this area they were oh, okay. doing more things with like fine motor skills i wouldn't have qualified for ot oh, i was doing okay. well academically i wasn't the right profile it was only through my own journey of seeing is this a psychological issue is this a um a social issue is this a physical issue that's where i found it but i don't know if anyone else would have related to it in the ot field and it's part of the nuance that my sister and I are shedding light in the yeah. world is that, you know, you can have anxiety and we put that in quote, by the way, if you saw us, we'd be quoting it. 
because it's really an urgency or a feeling of discomfort that develops into anxiety when you're older. In fact, most children, if you look at it, and we'd love for parents to know this, a lot of the physical things that children are showing when they're younger, whether it's that attentional issue or transitioning or having a hard time with, you know, getting on their stomach and moving their head, all those physical um, symptoms are sometimes um, cues for an internal anxiety and being as they can communicate and they don't have the ability, they don't have behaviors when they're that young other than crying, you can sometimes track it back to physical symptoms that eventually become the anxiety, that become the sensory child, that become the child that eventually also has that behavioral issue as a result of just learning or trying to cope in a world that's uncomfortable for them in their body. Wow. Fascinating. Oh my gosh. I want to like talk about this for the next 20 hours. I want to learn everything you know, but um, let's just take it back to, okay. okay. So you guys were basically overlapping in your studies at the time. Like, is that how it happened? Yes. yes. So she was one year ahead of me and uh, we were actually in school for the first time in our life together, which was nice. That's cool. And, um, she was one year ahead of me and then she started in geriatrics and I went straight to pediatrics. She was doing the vows because she was, she went into the fine and she was working on Wall Street, she was doing in the afternoon a lot of evaluations and I right away started working and I was in geriatrics. So at that point in our career, we were not working together. Yeah. We were working separately. It was when we both, when I got um, laid off and went into pediatrics and she was moving on in her life and doing other things and started doing evaluations because that, I guess, matched what she was able to do. And we had, she was seeing basically the children from the perspective of what do I see? And it's funny, I used to get a lot of the children that she saw and I would treat them. And oh, that's, that's so interesting. Okay. Right. That's fascinating. And, and, and my strength is really observation. Like I'm very good at walking into a classroom and picking up right off the bat, you know, this child has anxiety, this one has ADD, even without interviewing them or seeing them. And the principals were really surprised. Like, how do you know that? Like, you know, they, I didn't get any background on that. But again, because of what I had experienced, I had analyzed myself. And I understood when I was learning in school a lot about the nuances of movement and how people see, appear. I mean, not to say anything, but even when I got married, my husband took me to synagogue. We were three weeks into the marriage and I get there and I'm like, yeah, that one has anxiety. <laughs> that one is a hoarder. That one has ADD, OCD. And he thought he had married a crazy woman. And it's like 14 years later and I had nailed it right on the Wow. The so, you know, you can, it was kind of my strong point. So in our relationship and developing even our practice, I had always taken on at first the evaluations and my sister had done the treatments and then we slowly evolved. And part of it is we disagreed about treatment, which is nice because you have two people dealing with it. It's like in business, you know, having a partner is really beneficial as well as in treating, as well in relationships and parenting. I think having, that's kind of the gift of having to have had someone with me through this journey to be able to sort of get to the root of these issues with someone who's questioning and right. you're questioning each other and supporting each other. Right. I think we, all, we both wanted the same end goal of treating and getting results with these children. So between us being each other's sounding boards and saying what I saw, what she saw, questioning what she saw, um, even now today, we sometimes disagree <laughs> about treatment. And I have to say, I appreciate it because sometimes having, you know, four eyes on someone is, is a little bit more beneficial than having two. And I think it makes us also grow and see things a little bit differently because we both, we both have, I think we're both um, good therapists, but we have different uh, within being therapists, 
different skill sets that she can see that I don't see that helps complement what we do together. That's so interesting. But I guess my my question for you is like, I could definitely hear a lot of people who are like, okay, let's go into business together. And then they open a practice and then like, that's what they do with their life. But what is it about the two of you that's like, okay, now let's start another business and then let's start this and then let's go speaking all, all around the world and then let's get on, you know, all this, like how, what, what is okay, it so, about you? <laughs> so I'll tell you what it is. Um, with our, with our first business, hands-on OT rehab, we had never done one we not spend one penny of marketing. We, it was all word of mouth. Wow. And it, we had clients coming from around the world, around the country. People would fly in from everywhere just to see us. We were really specializing and we were really giving a lot of focus to these parents. And then we started having therapists and teachers coming to us as clients. With their own children. With their own children. And these were big therapists in our field. Um, they had practices of their own. They were already hiring therapists. And when they saw the knowledge that we had, maybe because we were living in our little bubble of questioning each other, questioning the people we were learning from, we started, they started asking us, you got to teach this. You have to start educating more therapists about this. And we just didn't have time. We were busy doing research on our own practice and our own clients. And we were like, you know, I don't have time to train people on a mass scale because number one, this business is not scalable in that way because it's very nuanced. And even within one family, you could have four children coming from the same family and they have four different profiles, even if they Mm -hmm. present the same way. It's very very individualized. So what we decided to do is we had learned from some mentors and we ourselves were giving courses in universities locally here in New York. So we decided to get their accreditation officially from all the national associations for OT, PT, speech therapy, psychology, social work. Wow. And we did that. And then our courses were starting to get certified. And we started bringing in other speakers from around the world who we had learned from because my sister, my sister actually did a lot of traveling. After I got married, she did most of those international trainings. And meaning like seminars and special. Well, actually more intense than that. Techniques and different trainings that were not like one day, two day courses, but things that I did for six months or a year. Wow. Because, you know, I think for us, it was finding the missing pieces of what we weren't (laughs) trained in when we were getting our schooling. Oh, that's so, so good. So we developed some courses ourselves, and then we started bringing in the speakers that resonated with us on some of the <laughs> techniques that we were using. And I think it evolved this business because it became an extension of what our values are and what our methodology is to sort of like help other therapists open up their eyes or their minds to trying different things and see if it could help them in their practice as well. And another point was that we were also getting frustrated when therapists were coming and talking about trainings where people were selling products or methods and claiming that, oh, this is the way to treat children. So all I have to do is learn this and we're good to go. And my sister and I, if you look at any of our courses, we do not believe in one method of training children. We're actually, we stick very much to that value. And even though there are some speakers who beg to get on our roster, because they have a product or a program, mm, yeah. we don't encourage them unless it's something that really makes sense and has shown proof. We've taken a lot of trainings that we don't utilize in our practice because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they have claims and we're again, cynical in all ways in that way. We want to make sure that we're being very objective and, ha- and evidence-based in how we're treating our clients. So it kind mm. of evolved where we need to be an honest education company that's bringing in quality speakers. We're not a mess, again, even there, if you look at our roster, we don't have 
50 courses, we'll have five courses maybe running or three courses. And whoever we bring in, we vet very carefully and it's very, very, very much screened. Um, so it's not you teaching. No, we, we are. We also, we teach. also teach as well. We do have courses that we've um, created and we teach as well. In fact, now we're actually going nationally. A lot of people are having us come down. We were actually supposed to be down in Atlanta now, but the virus <laughs> work or that was canceled. And internationally, we've also had requests. So we are teaching our courses. But as you see with our busy schedule, we're trying to figure out how to manage that. Yeah, that's. I was going to ask you actually about the busy schedule thing. Like, how are you doing this all? <laughs> okay. So we basically, you know, have figured out, it's, it's tough sometimes. We have busier seasons than others, but we basically figured out how we treat certain days. We actually evaluate um, on one day. We have an evaluation day that we put aside for that. And then we basically um, time out the courses that we're going to be doing based on when we think it's most appropriate for the people that need to learn. And we're basically juggling it. It's a process that we change, but for now, we, which what, what's very important for us to also do is to be able to do it well and not feel like, you know, something is going to, to give. So we rather do a little bit less sometimes of one thing than and more of another just to keep things balanced. Now, our support team is obviously huge for us. We yes. have a very good team in place that keeps us on our toes. Each of us has an assistant and each of us is focused on one part of the company more. My sister right. is more focused on the technical part of hands-on rehab. And I am more focused on the technical parts of hands-on approaches. And this was a process mm. that we had to mm-hmm. go through. It's interesting because we started out as a therapist doing the treatment. And right. as we've gone into these other businesses and worked on discovering what we're really good in running a business at, it sort of evolved into us getting these different roles, which also helps us in the scheduling and knowing how we're going to divide and conquer what we need to accomplish together. And That's interesting. To- and once a week, we actually have right. set time we aside where my sister and I really work on just our development. We actually devote time on making sure that all of these projects are in place. We have to oversee our employees, make sure that everyone on the team is doing what they need to do. It's, it's exciting. And I think the team building is very important. Make sure that you appreciate who you're, who's working for you and take your time hiring. Don't feel, you know, you have to like be in a rush for that really explore because once you have an employee that's working, it's golden. They can really let you expand and take your vision and actualize it. So that's really what we learned through time and processing. So is it you doing the actual therapies now in your practice or you have other therapists working? We're the ones right now who are doing the actual therapy. We do have some ideas that are coming up in the future in which we would like to um, train other therapists in this method, which is tied into our continuing education program, where we are hoping to have other therapists that we train and we can refer out to. Interesting. Sorry. Yeah, go ahead. That that is something actually that's been developing for a while, which is part of the reason why we started giving more courses where we're Mm -hmm. giving them. And our goal is to see who's attending and who's participating and what the follow through is and get those to be in an intense learning and then they would be certified under us. That's so smart. That is so smart. I love that. Um, Sorry, quick question um, for Evelyn. When you were like doing your traveling and learning all this stuff, were you like calling Amy and like telling her everything you were learning? Yes. The one thing, (laughs) which I guess we're always talking about work and anything that I learned that's exciting. I am so lucky that I'm able to do that. That I have someone I can pick up the phone 
and tell. Sometimes she tells me I can't talk right now. <laughs> and it actually is something that she taught us also, by the way, to balance a little bit more work and also the relationship because sometimes because we're sisters and we happen to be very close and we're good friends we don't want it to always be about work but right i do the, the answer to that is yes i i did run everything it was so exciting for me right it was it was almost like I, I always tell people it's a little bit like when you play tetris and you know when you need the pieces to line up but there's a missing piece and when you learn something and finally that's the missing piece and yes. everything lines up i had so many of those moments i think we both did and that, so yeah, it was very, very exciting. But at the same time, we have to learn how to keep to ourselves and, and, and maintain the relationship. Just to mention, now with functional MRIs and other new technology, we're still taking courses and yes. training. So this oh, I can imagine is still happening. And it doesn't, I don't know, until, until I, I can't, my head's not working, God forbid. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> You're always going to keep learning. Yeah, so I think wow. that's what, Right. And also, I think because our practice is going in different directions, it's not only OT. When we take the piece of neurodevelopment, we learn a lot about behaviors and the mind and psychology and the emotional health of the children that we're working with, the communication skills between parents, dealing with all these issues with their children. So there are so many areas that we can go into and we do to help these families be as um, as they could be. You know, sometimes we'll have a parent, a father, write us an email and say, you know, thank you for helping my marriage and for being there. Wow. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes we, we're doing that because nothing is divided. A person, a child is not just their physical being. They're not just their nutrition. They're not just their behavior or their emotional context. And it's very unique because our energy and what we give off to someone else is based on so many components. So as some, as individuals who have studied neurodevelopment in every area, and that's really what we refer to ourselves right now as mm -hmm. neurodevelopmental mm -hmm. therapists is because we're doing that holistic approach in every domain. Mm -hmm. Like we do have sessions with parents alone and they sometimes ask us like, do you have cameras in our house? Like, how do you know? <laughs> and it's really nothing magical. It's just doing a lot of analysis and, and really loving what we do so much that we're able to really target in and give exactly what that specific family and child needs to get success. It's really rewarding. I, I wake up excited every day to know what we're doing. Oh, wow. That's amazing. I, I'm like just excited from hearing you guys talk. And I also want to learn everything you know about neurodevelopment. So, <laughs> um, I just wanted to see if we could take a couple of minutes. I wanted to ask you, I know you talked a little bit about like, you know, what it was that propelled you forward. But before we hit record, you were telling me a little bit about the secret of working on yourself and how that really is the secret of success. So can you tell us a little bit more about that? Sure. So I can tell you as any individual in this world, we are a product of our nature and our nurture, right? Our, what we're born with, our chemistry and our chromosomes, and also our family situations and the life that we lead. And what I have learned as time is developing is that, and I think I started obviously at a young age because of what I was dealing with. I, I had enough self-awareness to know that I had to work on myself, that it wasn't because of my parents. There was no blaming of my parents or my school system or my sibling or my friends. And I, I've always been doing and working on myself. And it hasn't only been with the OT. It's also been working on my mind and my relationship with myself and my thoughts and as a religious person, I am very spiritual, if you know me. 
I'm a very connected person in that realm, like I, in nature and walking and doing what I need to do. I really worked a lot on analyzing and figuring out what mm -hmm. kind of growth did I need in order to continuously propel myself to a certain point. And frankly, I'm still a work in progress. Mm -hmm. And having had every single situation in my life that was positive and negative, that has really, I, instead of it just have being an experience and reacting, I break it down and analyze it. And I think that that was a key to us being able to continuously propel ourselves in every situation. And I, was, I, I agree with that yeah. too. Like I was thinking like you're talking about, I didn't have any, um, sensory issues as a child but like for myself as I you know as you're growing I always say I'm a work in progress too I'm always working on myself and changing things in me whether it's a trait or whether it's something that I have in my mind like what you were talking about and I think that as people evolve whether even if they're not in business who you are and the work you do on yourself is a reflection and translates into how you have your relationships how you do are in work how you work with a partner so I feel like as our business evolves and how we are, as we are changing, it sort of like propels us to be the best of who we are and change even some of the things that we're doing because of the work we're doing on ourselves and nurturing. And also not comparing each other because you can have like another person who's born in the same situation and it's really not about who is taking their environment and succeeding. It's more about if you internalize what you need to do for success, that's how it comes. Instead of us looking at, oh, how did they make it? Or what did they do? Yes, we want to learn. And of course, even this podcast, for example, it's giving information to people out there to learn from others who've been through it. But when push comes to shove, it's really about analyzing what does Amy need? What is it that Amy needs to do? What's my connection in this world? What's my mindfulness? Where, where are my strengths? What's, what am I lacking in? that I don't necessarily have to perfect, but maybe accept or have awareness about and ask for help. What are Evelyn's you know, weaknesses or strengths? What's her goal? What's her essence? And I think it's something that we actually, through the years, have had to accept within ourselves in looking at the business. And like me knowing this is my strength and this is my weakness. And it's okay that I have this weakness because mm. I know it. And maybe Amy's mm -hmm. able to take on that role because of it. And to allow myself to say, it's okay. I don't have to be so great. If I want to work on it, it's great. But if not, I have someone there to cover me or to take care of that for me while I'm working at it. And it was a process. It was. Us. And Sophie, I will tell you and share with your listeners a little, little, little insight into us. Um, twice a year, my sister and I go away for a couple of days. Um, yes. I, I leave my family. My sister leaves her home. And we head somewhere for three days or two to three days of brain dumping. Right where we don't, we are disconnected, um, we do not work, we have our office closed officially, our secretaries take care of everything. And part of that process is us really shedding our own thoughts about this. together, but we, we separate and we think about what it is that we want from our lives, where are we, what are our goals? For our clients, for ourselves, for, our for the world, team. right, for the world. And then we connect, we, we come together again, and we, we go through it, and we really figure it out. And I think that, you know, you could do this on a daily scope. Mm -hmm, you can take yeah. time to be mindful and take your, your time to see and be very honest with yourself. And I think that that was a very big turning point when we were aware that we were doing this naturally, but we actually started focusing on it. 
And and I think that that's probably what separates the men from the boys is like doing things like what you're talking about, like actually taking that. Like everybody wants to do that, but who actually takes those three days and goes? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I was actually going to ask you, like for people who aren't necessarily ready to leave for three days, like are there other mindfulness practices or yes. practices that well, you would all, recommend? You don't, to, you don't have to leave for three days. Everyone can basically take. I always tell if you're having a business partner, and by the way, I think it applies to everything, not just business, yes. but even your relationship. Okay that you basically can take a half a day and go somewhere where it's quiet and just spend time with someone. I think it's important to not only work with someone and have that business or that relationship, it's really taking the time to see the person and who they are and what their values are and what their goals are, talk to them. That building respect that you have for someone is the key for all the changes and transitions you may be going on in your life. If you have that and that like, that you have between two people, it really sets the stone for you, the place for you to be able to move forward and resolve things as opposed to letting things build up and you don't just deal with it and you don't deal with it head on. And I think even if you have a sole entrepreneur, there are things that a person can do. I, I tend to wake up a half hour before my youngest child will wake up and I spend time on me. It is any time. I will write in my journal, I will go for a walk, I will meditate, I will pray. It's a half hour of my time. Even if my baby, when my little one was waking up at five o'clock, I would get up at 4.30 and do this. You're so cool. (laughs) And I I committed to this, like even through hard times, I remember I was going through Hurricane Sandy and I had lost my home. I was pregnant at the time. And I I still made sure that that was my habit. You can foster, if you commit to yourself, I think that's the biggest um, impetus for you to commit to everyone else, your husband, your, your community, your family, your clients, that you have to take the time to see who you are and be mindful of that. And you don't have to go for three days. It could be just every single day, 10 minutes. It could be that you set a clock on your phone and, you know, and nowadays on iPhones, you could set it that your phone shuts down for 10 minutes. It could just be that you sit in front of a window in the morning with your morning coffee and just breathe and just be who you are and just quiet the thoughts in your head, even just to see who you are. And that sets the tone for your day and for just being in a better place to deal with your day. And yeah. we're very committed to this kind of stuff. We have busy, busy days and hectic lives, but we, we really we try, try to do this. And I think that's really, you know, one of the biggest secrets to really like, you know, making it happen. If you were going to just give some advice to, and you've given a ton already, but to somebody who's like, you've mentioned getting up every morning and feeling so excited about what you're going to do that day. Somebody who's trying to find that for themselves, what would be your starting point? So I would tell that person if they're not sure what it is or if they have financial obligations, they have to support a family and they're not sure how are they going to do their passion and create money, I would tell them to try and commit. And I, by the way, have advised a lot of my friends to do this um, when I was doing financial planning and I still help a lot of my friends in this, that they take the time and do a brain dump. And it's very, very powerful. Go to a park, go to a quiet room somewhere and really commit three or four days where you're going to sit down for 20 minutes and just start making circles. What do you enjoy? What do you like? Take that time. Once you figure out what it is that you love to do and what it is that you appreciate and what your passion is, try and think again about what kind of person you can ask for help. Who can be your mentor? 
who can you go to to get that structure and figuring out how to go from the idea to the plan of action. I also want to introduction to say when you are doing the brain dump to allow your mind and you, to be free. Don't have any expectations of what you think you want to put down there because sometimes when you do these brain dumps, I know it for myself because I'm a very structured person and very organized that sometimes when you let yourself go, something can get down on that paper that you never even knew mm -hmm. that you were thinking that can lead you in a direction that is the impetus for you to start something that you didn't even realize you liked. So to really be open-minded about this process. And don't they say like write with your left hand so that you get your subconscious mind stuff going on? That, that is a point. Yeah, you're touching on <laughs> your development there. So I guess you have some of that. And, and I think also the biggest thing is that fear, and this we speak yes. a lot about, fear is a withholding emotion. It's really a wasteful emotion. And that's the emotion that really stops us, I think, from accomplishing what we can do and we want to do. So learn how to breathe. And when a thought comes through your mind that's negative or limiting, try and take that deep breath, connect to your essence, and allow the fear to pass through you. Acknowledge what it is that you're afraid of. Don't run away from it. Take that feeling, internalize it, and then let it go. Fear is what prevents us from really creating our dreams. There's absolutely nothing that's impossible. Sometimes I tell my sister, like, certain goals that I have, and this was, like, let's say five or six years ago, and she's like, I don't know how we're going to do that. <laughs> and it happened. It's five, six years later, and it's happening. And, like, I have ideas for the next five years, and we laugh about it. But if you really reflect that you are a vessel of blessing, you're not a vessel of fear, and you're not a vessel of limitations, if you can just allow whatever it is as your passion, you will figure out how to do it. If you're onto your passion, it will come. You just have to figure out how to let go of all those subconscious limitations that are taking you and preventing you from accomplishing it. And Obviously, get support if you need that. I also want to say that for a lot of people, because when I know me, I always look at the practical, and they, you can get overwhelmed sometimes by the amazing ideas that you have, even when you speak to someone. So have the expectation on yourself that you're going to succeed, but make very small steps and break it down so that you're able to achieve it. Because it doesn't mean that it has to happen overnight. Sometimes success does happen that way. And sometimes it's little baby steps that take you to where you need to be. And don't let it be. Another thing that I've learned is it doesn't have to be perfect. Jump a little bit in. And if you have a good idea and you basically have it down, it's okay to try something even if it isn't perfect. Because with time, you will perfect it. Don't be afraid. If you're going to wait until something is 100% perfect, you're never going to do it. You know, we have a blog post that actually had 5 million views and is part of a national, international study on screen time. And it just blew up. We had been doing the blog and there was really nothing that there was, everyone was like, how, like, how did you do that? It went so viral. And we're like, just keep doing what you're doing. And we weren't affected by it. People are like, oh, you guys are going to like, you know, monetize and all that. And I'm like, you know what? <laughs> there, that's not my goal. My goal was to give information and to open people's mind. And even now, it's about three years, it's almost three years later, that blog post is still producing opportunity without us having that goal. It's just be committed to what your passion is. Don't be so busy looking at what other people are doing, what it is that you're, you know, what it is that you think is limiting yourself. Take that breath, internalize it, and let yourself be free. Wow. I mean, it's so 
evident to all of us, I imagine, that you guys are creating from a place of inspiration and passion and purpose and not like, you know, stress and forcing it and like what's coming out of it. I mean, every five minute segment of this podcast should be its own book. Like, <laughs> there's so much information. Like you guys are saying it quickly, like, oh, just go write down, like journal this thing. I'm like, wait, hold on a second. Like that could be broken down a hundred steps. But this was like so incredibly amazing. So much good information. Um, I don't know if you have any last thoughts because you just gave us a lot. If there's anything you want to leave the listeners with or let people know where they could find you? So I think on my end, I would say that I am grateful that I have a partner to get on this journey and go through this. If you are limited in any way, whether it's you're a big thinker, but you don't know how to get someone to do detail-oriented objects like components, or if you're a detail-oriented person and you don't, have, you don't allow yourself to get that visionary input, Try and find someone in your life you can partner with. Having had a partner has been golden for me. And another point that I want to leave. (laughs) Another point I would say is really, you know, we have a podcast called Quiet the Noise. Really try and quiet the noise in your world. My sister and I are recently on social media and we see that there's, you know, we were not on it too often, but when we are on it, it's overwhelming what's out there. There's a lot of noise. There's a lot of people who present that they're bigger than what they really are. Try to quiet everything that's around you and figure out what it is that you're about and go with that. Don't be so involved in everything that's outside of your immediate need. Get focused. And once you do that, great things happen. I agree with that. I, I can't, I think you said it amazingly. Like I, like I, I also feel very lucky to be able to work with my sister and have a partner and I feel lucky in that way also because I think that it's helped me grow and I think it allows people to, you don't need a partner though, but you can talk to others and mentors. And what you were talking about quieting the noise, I think the most important thing is to value who you are and the strengths that you have and be in touch with who you are as a person. There's so much good in everyone. And I think we get caught up so much in the dream of what we want to do. We forget sometimes who we are and what, what amazing things we bring to the table. And when you are able to focus on you and see your strengths, no matter what you're going to try to do or start, whether it's, you know, being a, a good business partner, being a good sister, being a wife, being uh, in a relationship, once you're able to tap into that and love yourself and love the greatness that you are, you really can accomplish everything. I think sometimes we get lost in everything else around us and we lose sight of who we are. And that's something you always have to remind yourself of every day. That you're, we always say you are more than you know, and you are more than you know, and and that's how it truly is. And when you tap into that, there's nothing that you really can't accomplish. It's hard sometimes, and we can get lost along the way. But once you tap into that, you always know where you want to be and and what direction you want to go. That's amazing. I would say even tap into it and like allow yourself to be yes, that person. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Again, if any of your re- any of your listeners want to reach out to us, yes. feel free. Um, the best way to reach us is through our email info at handsonapproaches.com or they could check out our websites. We have two that are currently running, handsonotrehab.com and handsonapproaches.com. And your social media. Oh, we are on Instagram at handsonapproaches. We're also on Facebook and I have an account on LinkedIn where I talk a little bit about the journey as well. Mm-hmm. And our podcast, of course, Quiet the Noise. Quiet the Noise, yes. Knowledge for parents and therapists and teachers. I'm going to check that out. Wow. Amy and Evelyn, this is incredible. I cannot thank you so much for your time. This is just so much information, so empowering. Thank you so much for coming on the show. It was a pleasure being here. Take care. Take care.
Well, that's a wrap on another episode of the Stunning Success Podcast. As always, I so much appreciate you tuning in and sharing your time with me as we learn and grow together. To find out more about alignment coaching for yourself or for your business, or to just say hi, email me at sippy at sippygross.com and check out sippygross.com. That's spelled T-S-I-P-P-I. Please hit subscribe. And if I can ask you one favor, it would mean a tremendous amount to me if you could share this episode with somebody with whom it would resonate. I appreciate your feedback and positive reviews tremendously. And I love connecting with you on Instagram at Sippy Gross. Thanks again for tuning in. And until next time, I hope your week is a stunning success. Talk soon. We hope you enjoyed and learned something new to take with you and help your families. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Hands On Approaches or visit our website at www.handsonapproaches.com to learn more about this podcast's topic. If you are interested in having your questions featured on the podcast or to ask your question live, please email us at info at handsonapproaches.com. Please note that none of the information discussed on this podcast should be viewed as medical or psychological treatment. If you are concerned about your child or an adult in your life, please seek out professional help and resources. Thank you for joining our podcast. Please be sure to leave a review or comment so that we can continue providing you quality education.